0: Well, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today we're going to talk about something that is really important. It is the importance of biblical counseling to the Christian life and ministry. And you might be thinking, well, why, why would we be talking about that on today's episode? And, and the reason is very simply— over the past about 6 months or so especially we've been talking about how do i navigate my various emotions that i feel you know fear and doubt and Questions and issues that arise in my life; these are these are really important matters. But it's also important that uh, not only do we understand how to deal with those things, but why why should we? Every Christian be a biblical counselor. Now, uh, no doubt, if you've been listening to this uh, podcast for years, you know that we've had many biblical counselors, very respected biblical counselors. Come on, this is not a be-all-end-all episode. There, there's a lot of episodes in the history of this show where we've talked about biblical counseling. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website, serviceofgrace.org, under podcasts. Uh, you can, Service of Grace podcast on the front page, you can find it, or on the drop-down menu at serviceofgrace.org, you can find uh, Equipping You in Grace under podcast and head to the page for Equipping You in Grace, and you can find dozens and dozens of episodes um, handling these matters biblical counseling what it is and all of that so um, undoubtedly there's going to be some things that you wish that I would have said more on and some things where you're like okay that that was really good so this is more of like an introduction to the topic as a whole So, you know, biblical counseling as a whole has never been published as widely as it is today, nor is it more critical to understand, and it's sadly very misunderstood. To some, the idea of biblical counseling, it concerns itself with melding the Bible together with psychology and even other popular forms of secular technique. And yet, biblical counseling, by definition, it focuses on the two words that define it, biblical and counseling. By biblical, we mean taking the Bible as a reliable, sufficient, and trustworthy Word of God. By counseling, we mean walking alongside one another. Biblical counseling is concerned with taking the truth of Scripture and applying it to the lives of the people of God by walking alongside of them with the Word of God. Now, Scripture, we must say, not any secular ideology or any secular philosophy reigns supreme in biblical counseling. For example... When counseling a struggling married couple, biblical counselors do not begin with secular teaching on marriage therapy, but with the Word of God. And, and nor do biblical counselors, when working with a fellow Christian struggling with anxiety, doubt, or other issues, do they begin with what the, the culture says. They begin with what the Word of God says and what the Word of God means." Biblical counseling, it focuses on the truth of the word of God. Biblical counseling seeks to apply the word of God through the faith and practice to the people of God. Now, biblical counseling thrives when it's centered on the whole Word of God as a whole, not in part. Biblical counseling, it functions best when it operates within what the Bible teaches about a New Testament church, where biblically qualified male pastors, which we've talked about many times on this show, oversee the ministry of biblical counseling. While biblical counseling outside the church may be needed at times, biblical elders are to care for and oversee the life and the health of the people of God. That's just a good doctrine of the church. Biblical uh, biblical counselors outside of the church should be vetted by the elders of every local church. To ensure their soundness and their compatibility, and they should be rejected if they cannot offer help. Of course, this is understood in the context of the elders being trained in biblical counseling and continuing to grow in their ministry of biblical counseling to the people of God. Biblical counseling is a discipleship ministry of every local church. That is to say, biblical counseling is concerned with addressing issues in the life of the disciple of the Lord Jesus in a focused manner. There may be times when there are long seasons of discipleship for fellow Christians. Biblical counseling, though, has a clear focus on helping the Christian within a defined length of time to address their issues. In fact, we can say further help may be needed, which is why biblical counseling doesn't leave the disciple on their own. Instead, it helps them connect with older seasoned men or women, depending on their gender, as we see in Titus 2. See, biblical counseling, it falls within biblical discipleship. Every single Christian is to be a student of Jesus. That means that every disciple must grow to be like Jesus. Biblical counseling is concerned with helping Christians grow in every phase of their life because of their union with Christ. The, the biblical counseling ministry in a local church is not opposed to the pulpit. and rather complements it or is even an extension of it, we must say. We must be clear about this. Preaching is the public ministry of the Word, and biblical counseling is the private ministry of the Word. A biblical church ensures the balance between the two complements rather than competes with each other. The preaching of the Word of God is central in all aspects of the local church. The preached Word, through the work of the Holy Spirit, tills the soil of the ground. Biblical counseling is concerned with coming alongside the preached Word of God and helping instruct the heart in a focused way. Biblical counseling is the personal discipleship ministry of God's people to others under the oversight of Christ's church, dependent upon the authority and sufficiency of the word of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. Biblical counseling, it seeks to reorient disordered desires, affections, and even behaviors towards a God-designed anthropology, an understanding of our humanity, in, in an effort to restore true worship of God and right fellowship with others. This is accomplished by speaking the truth in love, as we're taught in Ephesians 4.15, and applying scripture to the need of the moment by comforting the sufferer and calling sinners to repentance and faith in Christ, thus working to make them mature as they abide in Christ. Now, while, while we often envision therapy conducted by professionals, counseling is not confined to this scenario. Heath Lambert rightly says, that counseling is a conversation where one party with questions, with problems and troubles seeks assistance from someone they believe has answers, solutions, or help. He writes that in A Theology of Biblical Counseling, published by Zondervan in 2016 on page 13. And so we can say by that definition, we're giving and we're receiving counseling all the time. When a, when a boss advises a subordinate on how to handle a difficult situation, uh, they are counseling, and, and we could give even more examples, and yet all of the examples that we could give in, in counseling are in an informal sense. None of them involve couches or professional therapists. These are just some of the innumerable circumstances where we get and we give counsel all the time, day in and day out. And so whether we admit it or not, we're frequently involved in counseling. And this is especially true for Christianity, where this definition of counseling fits within the broader context of discipleship being part of teaching the people to observe everything that Christ commanded in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20 and it's commanded elsewhere as well in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, where it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training of righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. We see this in Second Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen, and 2 Timothy four, one through two. Now in Galatians six one through two it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so, counseling is necessary to life in general, and the Christian life in particular. And so, we need to know how to counsel. And and so, for Christians, the supremacy and the authority of the Word of God, it means that we need to learn how to counsel in a way that's biblical. And so you might wonder at this point, what is it that makes counsel biblical? In short, biblical counseling is when the Bible is the primary source used in counseling and the standard by which all secondary sources are subordinated. In biblical counseling, everything revolves around Scripture and the process of lasting change uh, laid out in the Word of God. Dr. T. Dale Johnson, Jr., is the executive director of the Association of Biblical Counselors, and Dr. Samuel Stevens serves as a director of training for the Association of Biblical Counselors, and they give a more lasting and detailed definition of biblical counseling when they write this in a call to Counsel and Care, The Distinguishing Qualities of Biblical Counseling, a booklet by the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, published in 2021 on pages 14 through 15, and they write in that booklet, "...biblical counseling is the personal discipleship ministry of God's people to others under the oversight of God's church, dependent upon the authority and sufficiency of the Word of God through the work of the Holy Spirit." They write that biblical counseling seeks to reorient disordered desires, affections, thoughts, and behaviors towards a God's designed anthropology and understanding of humanity in an effort to restore people to a right fellowship with God and others. This is accomplished, they write, by speaking the truth in love and applying Scripture to the needs of the moment by comforting the suffering and calling sinners to repentance, thus working to make them mature as they abide in Christ. Now, let's let's go through this definition. First, biblical counseling is a discipleship ministry. It's, as we've talked about, the private ministry of the Word, just as preaching is the public ministry of the Word. This involves understanding the situation biblically and applying Scripture to the that situation second Biblical counseling is done by Christians for Christians under the authority of biblically qualified uh, elders in the local church. And since it requires submission to the Word of God, it must be conducted by biblical counselors to a Christian counselee in order to be effective. As with all discipleship, biblical counseling must be done under the authority of the elders of the local church. A biblical counselor operates under the authority of the elders of a local church for all formal counseling, and the counselee should be. Under the authority of the elders of a local church as well. Third, biblical counseling depends on the authority and the sufficiency of the Word of God. That is to say, God's Word has ultimate authority over every aspect of our lives, including every situation that any counselee will face. God's word is also sufficient to equip every Christian for every good work, including handling every situation a Christian counselee can encounter. Now, this is one of the major distinctives of biblical counseling. It it means that biblical counselors see the teaching of psychology and psychiatry as unnecessary and in many cases unhelpful or even harmful. Based on a, a humanistic worldview devoid of God and psychology and psychiatry overemphasizing self, underemphasizing or even deny sin, it denies the spiritual side of soul issues, and it relies on human remedies from a human understanding that is severely tainted by sin. Well, instead, biblical counseling, it relies on Scripture as the only complete, reliable source of information about the human soul. We're going to come back to this point here in just a few minutes, but for now, it's enough to say that God who created the soul and is the only one who truly understands it, so Scripture is the only definitive work on the subject. Fourth, biblical counseling relies on the power of the Holy Spirit to transform the lives of counselees. That is to say that scripture teaches that the issues we face are a result of sin, our sin, the sins of others, and the world corrupted because of sin. The only way to bring true and lasting change is for the Holy Spirit to transform our sinful hearts. Now, anything short of this results in only short-term and superficial change. This means that the gospel is the first priority of biblical counseling. If the counselee does not understand or even believe the gospel, that needs to be addressed, must be addressed, I should say, before any of the other issues the counselee is facing can be approached biblically. Fifth, Biblical counseling focuses on the desires and the motives that undergo our words and actions, rather than the words and the actions themselves. Words and actions are the fruit of desires and motives, and so true change comes from the inside, with transformed motives and desires producing transformed words and action. Sixth, biblical counseling seeks to understand and address the counselee's situation using biblical rather than psychological terminology. This means that helping counselees understand who God is, who they are, and where their situation originate, as Scripture teaches, using biblical language instead of psychological language. Now, whether counselees are familiar with the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Health Dis- Disorders or not— they often use psychological terminology because it's so uh, pervasive in our culture's vernacular. And it also carries certain baggage, per- particularly in rooting a counselor's identity in psychological conditions rather than in an identity shaped by the Word of God. Instead, biblical counseling it describes the counselor's situation in biblical terms, and this means lovingly calling out sins, exhorting counselees to repent of their sins when appropriate. It also means helping them respond biblically to situations where they're sinned against, including forgiving those who sinned against them as God has forgiven them. Seventh, the ultimate goal of biblical counseling is sanctification, in which the counselee becomes more like Christ, not necessarily the removal or the resolution of the situation the counselee is facing. Since God never promised to remove our troubles but does promise to help us in them, we cannot promise counselees that which God does not promise." This means biblical counselors help counselees to understand and to trust in the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God in their situations so that they can place their hope and trust to God, resting in and striving for God's present work of sanctification and future work of glorification rather than short term memories remedies to their present problems. Now I, I said that I was going to come back to talking about psychology, but Before I do, I also want to encourage you, I I encourage you at the outset to go check out one of the episodes or some of the episodes on biblical counseling. One of those was recently talking with Ernie Baker about the matter that we're going to talk about now, psychology, and, and what role does it place in the Christian life? It is such a good conversation. I've heard so from so many of you that you were helped by it. I want to encourage you to listen or watch that episode. So we're going to talk now in this section of the podcast about biblical counseling versus Christian counseling. Now, these distinctives, they differentiate biblical counseling from both psychology and the methods of Christian counseling that are often used in churches and even parachurch organizations. Christian counseling seeks to integrate scripture with psychology under the argument that psychology results from God's common grace. God has graciously given uh, people the ability to discover truth by observing the world around them, and part of this is the systematic and rigorous observation that result from psychological and psychiatric study. Thus, it would be foolish to completely ignore this wealth of information that God has graciously provided. And so, Christian counseling it seeks to integrate psychology with Scripture in order to bring the full toolbox that God has provided to bear on a counselor's uh, problems. Now, biblical counselors would agree that we should not completely ignore the observations of psychology and psychiatry. With the sheer volume of psychological observations over the years, there is certainly some useful information to be gleaned. Like all observations resulting from common grace, though these are tainted by the effects of sin, which describe how sin distorts everyone's ability to think and to reason properly. Tarnished by the fall, our minds suppress the truth that exalts God and abases itself, which Satan then uses to further blind us from the truth. Since the worldview that produces psychology and psychiatry is rooted in atheism, these disciplines ignore the inherently spiritual nature of the soul care over the value of self. They misinterpret sin as sickness or brokenness and lack any satisfying answer for suffering. And and yet scripture it gives us a God centered view of the world, which describes our hopeless condition in sin using no uncertain terms. And in both its description of the sovereignty of God and the effects of the fall, Scripture truly does give a satisfying answer for the origin, the purpose, and the remedy of suffering, as we see in Romans five, three through five and Hebrews twelve. Scripture and psychology psychiatry therefore contradict one another and thus cannot be effectively integrated. And so attempts to integrate them uh, must favor one to the detriment of other. A house divided cannot stand, right? Those are Jesus' own words. And so the integration in Christian counseling often favors psychology to the detriment of Scripture. That means that in biblical counseling, the observations of psychology can only be used when viewed through the lens of Scripture and having successfully passed through the filter of scripture to be proven true by scripture as the ultimate standard of truth and this is not meant as a slight to the many dedicated christian counselors who are legitimately trying to help people uh and help them grow deal with their issues and and even provide uh, training and using tools and expertise they have I-, I really say this to point out the distinction between christian counseling and biblical counseling and i also acknowledge And just to be clear, there's a spectrum in Christian counseling as to how much Scripture versus psychology individual counselors use. This means that while there may be uh, Christian counselors who use Scripture almost exclusively, just as biblical counselors do, many uh, lean much more on psychology. And this creates a broad spectrum within Christian counseling between almost exclusive use of Scripture and almost exclusive use of psychology, such that a scriptural foundation cannot be consistently expected from Christian counseling. And this does not mean that those seeking counsel should avoid Christian counselors entirely, but they should rather use careful discretion to ensure that specific Christian counselor in question uses a scriptural rather than a psychological foundation for beginning counseling. My recommendation to listeners and those who watch Equipping You in Grace is to go to the Association of Biblical Counselors and click Find a Counselor. There you will find counselor or counselors, uh, both men and women, all throughout our country. And many of these counselors, by the way, they do online counseling through Zoom. I'm also not claiming that psychology can never be effective, as it has been proven to bring about change in people's lives. With that said, psychology is attempting to address the soul, which is inherently spiritual and therefore outside of the realm of observational science, and thus can only be understood through the word of God. Uh, This means that the methods of psychology can only result from what can be observed, limiting their ability to uh, be consistently effective. This is not to say that biblical counseling can always be effective. It's dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit and gives us no guarantee that our objectives will be met. He decides whether he will bring about the desired change in the manner and the timeline with which he will act. And still, biblical counseling does take the spiritual aspect of the counselee's problems into consideration in ways that psychology and psychiatry do not. And it's important to say, just at the last point of this section, that when biblical counseling emphasizes the spiritual aspect of the counseling situation, that does not require a complete neglect of the physical. There can be physical aspects to counseling problems. And biblical counselors encourage the involvement of medical professionals in addressing the physical aspect of their problems. By the way, let me pause here for just a second and say, this is what Ernie Baker even said, and he is a leader in the Association of Biblical Counselors. So let's continue. But we still cannot ignore the spiritual aspect of counseling issues and expect to consistently produce deep and lasting change. So, you might wonder, who can counsel? It's a great question. And since counseling is part of discipleship and all Christians are commanded to make disciples, every Christian should be involved in biblical counseling in an informal sense, whether they use the Bible to help people face various situations. And and so, we are counseling people biblically when we use the scriptures to help somebody understand their situation and what the Lord has to say about it in order to help them obey what the Lord says about their situation. And in the former sense, Biblical counselors need to be people who are well-versed in the Word of God, who can listen empathetically to the struggles of others, and who are gently uh, be able to gently guide people to a biblical understanding of their situation and obedience to God in addressing Him. Because counsel, counselees will be, will be sharing things that are very personal and sensitive, counselors need to be very trustworthy. All this fits the description of a deacon in 1 Timothy 3, 8-13. So while biblical counselors do not need to be deacon, uh, deacons, a, a biblical counselor should have the characteristics and the traits of a deacon. One of these traits, according to Paul, is they hold the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience, meaning they need to understand Scripture and theology well enough to explain them clearly and to help people to apply them. This means that even formal counseling is not merely the realm of professionals who are licensed or certified, although certifications for biblical counseling do exist. This means that regardless of your training, if these traits describe you, or if you desire for this to describe you, I want to encourage you to become a biblical counselor. The Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and other organizations, they offer training in the fundamentals of biblical counseling that will be of value to any Christian. Uh, the church in general, and the American church in particular, needs biblical counseling. It's my desire and prayer that each local church or potential group of local churches would have a cadre of men and women trained in biblical counseling and called by God to care for the saints of God through this private ministry of the Word to which all manner of people in the church can turn for biblically-based help with any issue they may face. We also need counselors and counselees to be committed to the supremacy and the sufficiency of the Word of God and understanding the human condition in general and how that impacts every counselor's counseling issue and equally be committed to the biblical process of change that is rooted in scripture and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We trust that while we may plant or water, God provides the growth. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that they, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. As we see in Romans eight twenty-eight through 30 1 Thessalonians five twenty three through 24 says, And now may the God at peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He surely will do it. And so, how can biblical counselors use Scripture according to God's purpose in their ministry to others? And and while there are many places where God describes the uses of His Word, like Psalm 19, 7-11 and Psalm 119, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 stands out. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This passage says a great deal about the Bible's source. It is from God. To encounter God in his word is to hear him speak. God speaks and what he says is the most important thing for us to know. His word supplies all that we need to know him rightly and to live a life that's pleasing to him through faith in Jesus Christ. And so biblical counselors, they strive to look to, to the word of God to help counselors embrace such truth so that their lives might in turn glorify him. But 2 Timothy 3.16 also details four specific ways the Bible is profitable or useful for our lives. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now these four uses of the Word of God, they give biblical counselors a clear roadmap for ministering God's grace to others. They emphasize the importance of what we believe as the foundation for how we live. In turn, showing us where our ministry should focus in helping others. And so, together, these purposes of scripture, they provide clear objectives for pursuing a life that honors and even pleases God. Purpose one, God's word teaches us what is true. First, scripture is useful for teaching us what is true. What Paul says in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching. Scripture teaches us the comprehensive truths about God, about people, about sin, its effects, and the hope that is found in In Jesus Christ alone, Scripture speaks of God's character, his love, his grace, the enduring joy that comes from following Jesus through the trials of life as his people await his eminent return. All that God's word says is true and authoritative and is therefore to be believed and trusted, cherished, and obeyed. And even in matters that are not directly addressed in the word of God, Scripture equips people with an accurate and a complete framework for rightly understanding all of human life before God. And in a culture filled with competing truth claims and alternative narratives for understanding our lives, biblical counselors instruct their counselees with God's word so that they can know and believe what is true. Second, God's word exposes wrong beliefs. Second, God's word is useful for exposing wrongly held beliefs in one's life. Paul also says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof. And so as we read and reflect upon the word of God, God reveals areas in our lives where we have believed wrongly about him, about ourselves, and about how the hope of the gospel is applied to our lives for salvation and sanctification. And so when Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that scripture is useful for reproof, he has in mind what it means for somebody to be convicted over such false beliefs so that uh, what he or she wrongly believes might come in line with the truth of the word. And in response to the snare of wrongly held beliefs in one's life, biblical counselors use the word of God to help their counselees through loving and gentle rebuke so that they might repent, and believe, uh, they might repent of believing what is false and embrace what is true about God and his gospel. Purpose three, God's word confronts sin in our lives. The scripture is useful for confronting our lives. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for correction. And whereas the preceding purpose relates to wrongly held beliefs in our inner person, to correct it refers to confronting and correcting sinful behavior expressed externally in one's life. Reproof and correction, in this sense, are connected uses of Scripture. As God uses His Word to expose wrong beliefs, He also confronts the sin of our lives that reflects the expression of those beliefs. Biblical counselors seek to use scripture in this way as well, not only to help rescue their counselees from wrong belief, but also to demonstrate how our actions reflect the true motivation of our hearts. Purpose four, God's word equips us in godly living this purpose here is useful for equipping us for godly living. Paul again in 2 Timothy 3:16 says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for training in righteousness. And so this purpose of scripture it follows each of the other three. God through his word instructs us in what is true, exposes our false beliefs, and confronts us in our sin. But scripture's usefulness continues referring not only to our growth in the knowledge of God but to the pursuit of godliness and to a transformed life. God uses his word to train us, to teach us what it's like to follow him in all of life so that we will learn to observe all that he's commanded, as we see in the great commandment. And so amid all the temptation towards inaction or apathy, biblical counselors, they help their counselees move towards the goal of Christ's likeness. So they will not only know what is true, that but their lives would also reflect this truth as well. Now, these four purposes of Scripture, they combine to produce one intended result. And 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the usefulness, we can say, of God's Word is meant to produce maturity and godliness in the lives of those we counsel, but also a growing capacity for ministry in the lives of other people. And so, by God's grace and by God's help, those we counsel will one day counsel, discipleship, and care for others. This results what Paul himself says earlier in his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard from me, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. God speaks in his word to instruct, to confront, to reprove, to train, so that we, counsel, we who counsel would bear fruit that leads to further disciple-making for the glory of God. So we must, as we end, say this. Biblical counseling is a process of focused discipleship. It's one aspect of discipleship. It's an aspect of discipleship that is focused on the application of God's word and walking in God's spirit when dealing with matters of life as a whole. Biblical counseling can be defined as a fluid event and process as part of the Great Commission when a follower of Jesus Christ in the service of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God provides face-to-face ministry of the Word to other people. Biblical counseling may occur in a single moment. It may even occur among believers following a Bible study or after a church service in the parking lot. Biblical counseling may happen between two people on a park bench or in a school teacher's classroom or in a pastor's office. The giving and receiving of God's truth for life may be called an event. While biblical counseling may exist as an event, it's most effective and best understood as a series event that is a process. The process of encouraging sanctification, bearing with the suffering of others, and applying the truth of God's word in a careful way that takes time. It takes time to believe and to follow the gospel more fully each day. The grace of God, the power of a Spirit, and faithful human effort are needed uh, to make biblical counseling biblical. And so, for biblical counseling to be biblical, it must be rooted in God it must exalt Jesus Christ. It must be enabled by the Holy Spirit. It must be offered by in love, rooted in God. Biblical counseling it gets to the motives, the hopes, the content, the methods, and the power from God according to His Word. For biblical counseling to be rooted in God, it must uh, acknowledge God as a Creator of all things. It must uphold the sovereignty and the authority of God. It must remain confident in God's eternal work of His people. It must rely upon God's Word for knowledge, for wisdom, and for direction. It must embrace characteristic of God's counsel, uh, including compassion, patience, wisdom, and mercy. It must be devoted to God's. Glory alone. It must exalt Jesus Christ. That is to say, the gospel changes us. The gospel changes human hearts. The gospel is the core message of biblical counseling. And therefore, our counsel must uphold the deity of Christ, his incarnation, the sufficiency of his wrath bearing death, his resurrection, his future return, his present and future kingdom, and his judgment of the world, among many other truths. We ask the question Does my counsel present Jesus Christ as a one meteor between God and man and the person? Uh, towards whom my sanctification is focused. There's no other way. There's no other road. There's no other person leading to glory, to peace, to joy, to love, to unity, to humility, to purity of heart, to clarity of conscience and hope. Any promise of good and eternal change apart from or in addition to Christ is a false gospel enabled by the Spirit. We live in the service of God's Spirit, not the other way around. We don't use Him to serve our purposes. He uses us to serve His purposes. We're ministers of the grace of God. And more than simply referring to the Holy Spirit, we actively trust the Holy Spirit to enable our counsel to give understanding to the minds of the counselee as well as to soften and transform their hearts. Every good and lasting change in the soul of people comes by the Spirit's power. It's offered in love. The relationship between the counselor and those that that we counsel should be filled with and shaped by love. Shaped by love, biblical love, it means to be motivated by affection for God and by genuine compassion for others. It means we seek the eternal good of the person or the people that we're counseling. We should be less interested in the applause of people and more interested in their spiritual health. We should be less concerned with receiving glory from those we serve and more concerned with helping them give glory to the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Of course, faithfully holding to these principles will be dependent on the spiritual condition of our souls. Uh, Our mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Jesus says in Luke six forty five that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so as biblical counselors, as believers, we seek the Lord for his grace in these areas and that he would help us to know him and his word humbly and rightly, and that we would learn to counsel according to the word of the Lord described in the 66 books of the word of God, full of patience and good fruits, that we wouldn't try to fix people in their problems, but love them and serve them, counsel them with wisdom and help them see and trust our savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Equipping You and Grace. Until next Monday and Wednesday. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app